Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And we have, it's February, but we have kind of arrived at March Madness. March Madness is here for Sunbelt. Feels weird that the Sunbelt is so dang early, though. Like, other mid-major conferences are still playing their last regular season weekend when the Sunbelt begins the tournament. Um, so whoever wins the Sunbelt tournament in the men's and women's game uh, will be sitting on their hands for quite some time leading into uh, what will be the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I was looking at it. The Sun Belt will know its winner before the ACC plays a conference tournament game. So if you do win, if you're JMU, you got a good amount of rest coming your way, which is, you know, maybe a positive. Maybe the good old rest versus rust conversation strikes up in the next <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we'll find out. But uh, it's it's a little bit weird, kind of fun, but then it's also definitely going to be um, a long wait should a team qualify for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'd almost forget that there was basketball to be played. I mean, if I was a player, I'd almost be like in the off-season mode. Just kidding, 100% kidding on that. But um, quite interesting that JMU only got one player to the Sunbelt team. Yeah, the men's side, what was it? Edwards was he on Edwards. the first? Or I he guess, was on was second, second team. team. Yeah, that's. I was thinking about that teams. too. There's three teams. I thought maybe there was. Well, first let's do our reads before we dive into all of this. We need to do our. Uh, yes, our we reads do. To begin this one, if you want to start us off. Yeah, let's talk about Three Notch. They're our lovely partners with some of the best beer in the valley, if not the best beer. I'll go out on a limb. I'll say it. The best beer in the valley is made at the Valley Collab House. I need to buy more of their beer. I haven't every time I feel like I go there and I should be buying more six packs to like take with me because it's not always accessible where I am. So I got to start doing that. But you can sign up for the Fresh Beer Club. You can find out more yep. at threenotchbrewing.com. I got to look up that. I got to learn some more. I wish I kind of wish I lived in Harrisburg so I could go to some of these first tap Fridays right with the exclusive releases. I think if I did, I would probably go every Friday to be honest with you. That's the dream. That would be the dream. And own the Harrisonburg Turks. Yeah, to own the Turks, to spend like a year or so in, in Harrisonburg just being like a JMU nut and going to like, you know, 75% of home games <laughs> yeah, across sports would be so much fun. You know what else is fun? Betting on sports. Sports betting. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. That's golf, too. We got the Arnold Palmer Invitational this weekend. It's about, it's going to be a good one. I heard you hit hit it big and get, got the outright winner. I did, in fact, wager on Chris Kirk to win the Honda Classic, and he did despite making a, a bogey on the 18th in regulation, which would drive me nuts. Hit the ball in the water. Really no reason to be going for the flag in that situation. So that was that was alarming, but he got it done over a 34-year-old rookie. PJ Torek can't draw better storylines than that. Man, full swing. Have you watched Full Swing on Netflix? Yeah, I skipped the Matthew Fitzpatrick episode out of boredom with him, but everything yeah, else, honestly, I, everything else I watched. I'll finish this read, then we'll get back to that, and then we'll dive into JMU sports. <laughs> You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest. And easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device. Just head on to whatever, uh, you know, internet provider you use on your mobile device and type in betonline.ag. When you res- when you join for the first time, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with that first-time deposit. Just use promo code BLEAV to receive that 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code BELIEVE. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I watched all of them except for the Matthew Fitzpatrick one too, but Eva watched it and she goes, that was the most boring episode by far. Matthew Fitzpatrick one. Yeah. I could just tell I wasn't going to be interested. I was watching with Caroline. I was like, nah, let's just skip that one. And uh, it's not the best show in the world, but it's, it's like, you know, somewhat entertaining. Yeah. Joel Dahman. Fantastic. I wish, I wish they did it more chronologically. Each episode is yes. almost its own thing. And it, Really, it confused me who I like understand golf, 
but you're sitting there and you're like, wait, Dustin Johnson just joined Liv. But now in this episode, Dustin Johnson's playing right. at the U.S. Open. Wait, <laughs> the, huh? <laughs> Some of them felt out of order in general where it felt like they could have rearranged. Like they didn't talk about like the rookie episode that they yeah. had seventh. And then it's just like the show's almost over. That felt like an early episode. You know what I mean? Like talk about the rookies early. Well, it, then... like Drive to Survive, which is what they're basing all of this on. I don't know if you've watched it. They do a really good job of following right. each story. And like each track is a new team story for that week. But like they take some editorial license and kind of right make it string together. But with full swing, it just felt like this is an episode. This is an episode. Like you did not have to watch them in order. Yeah, it's also tough, too, because it's, uh, you know, they don't have cars that are going like 200 miles an hour. It's just a, a guy hitting a golf ball. So it's it was a little less entertaining, but it was, it was good. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. <laughs> also, another thing before we jump in, jump in, and this, this hit me as I was walking Frank today. Uh, this is a pet peeve. Nothing to do with JMU Sports. When people say ASAP, I need this thing ASAP. That, that is one of my biggest pet peeves because that means as soon as possible. But yeah. the connotation with ASAP is right now. Oh, yeah. Like, I need this ASAP. Yeah. Well, if you need it as soon as possible, I'll get to it on Friday. But, like, that's not what oh, you Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like As soon as possible. Yes, that's it. I just thought I like about that. today. Like, that's good thinking. They, they, needed it, they needed it ASAP. And I was like, so, like, I know what you mean, but yeah. use a better word. Whatever. I love that. Well, <laughs> men's basketball finished their season up with a fairly dominant win against Georgia State that I think all of JMU Twitter forgot the game was happening after the fantastic game on Thursday, or I guess Wednesday and Friday were the games. Um, but all of JMU Twitter forgot that they played Georgia State. It felt like because there's like no talking about the game on my Twitter timeline. I think we were all tired after the Wednesday game against Marshall. That was maybe the best game of the season. That was a thrilling game. You had that one, and then the same Friday you had the women's team with kind of a disappointing home loss to get the outright, or I guess not the outright, what would have been a solo title, I guess you could say, yeah. finishing solo first. Um, so that was that was tough. And then, yeah, Georgia State was kind of like you're playing for the three or the four seed, but it was slightly out of their control. So, yeah, I was I was not very engaged with that one. <laughs> By any means, but the Marshall game was incredible back and forth. They had chances late, didn't take advantage of it. But both of those teams are are really, really good. Tavion Kinsey's a monster. Yeah, that Marshall team is, is 79th in Ken Palm for a reason. One of the top-ranked uh, teams. They are the top-ranked team at some, but one of the top-ranked teams in mid-major basketball altogether. Really fun. They have just a bunch of studs. Kinsey won player of the year in the Sun Belt, and I believe they also had a kid, Micah Henlo Gittin. Sure. So sorry. I, I'm mispronouncing that. He was <laughs> named freshman of the year. Uh, so they got some dudes over there in Huntington. There we go. That's where they are. But so that means we move to the Sunbelt tournament where JMU is a four seed. Yeah. So after last week, after I wrongly said they're locked in as the three seed at least. Uh, that blew up in my face and they're now the four seed and, uh, they have a tough path. We said last week that if they got the two or three seed, it felt a lot easier, maybe not even easier might not be the right word, but it felt like a championship could be the expectation. Now I think a semifinal should be the expectation because you're playing who's the number one seed still Southern Miss, right? Southern Miss is the one. Yeah, like which is a really good team, so it's going to be really tough for them to win that semifinal. And you saw what Southern Miss did to them at home, so it's tough. It's a it's kind of a tough draw because if you were the two by or winning out or the three, then you'd be opening with you know an ODU or like a Georgia Southern. Troy is the five, and I I do think there's a significant gap between like a Troy and an ODU or a Georgia Southern. Like I think Troy is a pretty solid team. I know they, I don't think they finished the year all that. Well, I guess actually they played pretty well toward the end, but they had a, a much easier schedule down the stretch. Um, but yeah, they're, I think they won six of the last seven, even against that easier schedule. The one loss being Marshall on the road. They have a home win over Louisiana by 15. Like 
It's a good team. It's a team that JMU played once before and kind of got away with a road overtime win. Like there was that game really could have gone either way. So it's it's one where if you're the two or the three, I think you have an easier time getting to the semifinals. And then I kind of like your matchup there in the semi. So yeah, it's the four is tough. The four is tough. They'll probably get Troy. Troy has to beat the winner of Coastal Carolina and Arkansas State. So there is still a possibility there. Come on. Of an upset. You Come never <laughs> know, folks. It's March. Um, and then you're you're playing potentially Southern Miss. They might have to play South Alabama, which is a wagon. They have a wagon in Kevin Samuel. So there's there's some stuff there. It feels like it'll be up in the air. It feels like the top of the bracket, even for Southern Miss, like the top of the bracket, and I feel like we say this every year, like with the CAA, it was every, where JMU is, it's the toughest part of the bracket. <laughs> but it genuinely feels like the top of it has – the better teams overall. Yeah. Is it like the bottom ODU's okay. Georgia Southern, not great. Texas state and Georgia state, two of the worst teams. And then Marshall will take on ODU, Texas state or Georgia state feels easy. Georgia Southern ULM is who Louisiana will take on feels easy. Like it feels like they have an easier path to the semis where South Alabama and app state, like, from what I've seen out of App State, they aren't great because they're not consistent shooters, but they want to shoot the three. And if they are hot on a day, like we saw them against JMU, they can run you out of the gym. It's just they lack consistency. They play some good defense. I mean, they've beaten Troy and JMU, so they have a couple decent wins there. They're, I mean, they're not they're not elite, but they're not like a typical nine in a low yeah. major league. So it's it's a challenging one, and it's the schedule is kind of interesting too because I think there is at least in my head there was this idea. All right, Troy's going to play the day before. Maybe they're tired. They play Thursday, and then they would play JMU Saturday. So there's a yeah. day in between, and then it goes. So it goes Tuesday for the 12, 13, and eleven, fourteen. And then you got a bunch of second round games on Thursday, and then it goes Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So you have the championship on Monday, semis on Sunday quarterfinals on Saturday. So JMU has to play three games in a row, but those early games, you actually get a little bit of rest, which I thought was kind of an interesting quirk. I don't know if that advantages the lower seed in a weird way. Kind of right. You get like a, you played recently. I think it, it would kill you after that, but for the first game, it feels like maybe that would help Troy. But then when you have to play three in a row to like win the championship, that sounds hard. That, that's what I'm saying. Like this almost feels, and I mean, if you're the better team, just go out and win the game. But like for me, a mid major should set up their tournament in the best way possible for one of their top two seeds to win. So you have the best chance of having the best team get to the NCAA tournament, have the best chance at winning an NCAA tournament game yeah. and get the money that you get for winning those tournament games. In this case, Troy has a day of prep before heading against James Madison, South Alabama and app state, whoever wins will have a day of prep before playing Southern miss. Odie, like, it, it feels like, especially the South Alabama, that 8-9 and that 7-10, they don't have that day early. So you play, you're off, and you play. That's a normal weekend schedule that they've been playing in the yep. Sun Belt. And so you have a new tournament starting Saturday. And that just feels like you're giving the edge to the lower seed almost. For the quarterfinal game? Yeah, I, to me, I just feel like what the WCC does is that their top two teams don't play until the semifinals. That you're giving them the best chance at making it out of your tournament. With this, you're essentially setting up your top four seeds in a more advantageous spot, but it's not necessarily a fantastic spot. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking way too much into this. I'm interested to see how it plays out because like with the, the WCC – those two teams this year happen to be like very much locks. Yeah. But in, in other years, I feel like sometimes the second seed there, maybe they're in a different spot. Like, I don't know. I think there are definitely times where there's a, like a mid to low major. That's a one seed. And if it was set up more advantageous, that would absolutely be the best team to represent the low major in the NCAA tournament. Instead, they have to win, you know, three games or whatever they get upset and they send some, yeah. crap team in that, that doesn't represent the conference well i i like the conference tournaments i think they're a lot of fun there are certainly times when i would 
almost want like the the regular season champ just represented. But this this is one where I feel like the Sun Belt is in an okay spot this year because I don't think there's this massive difference between seeds like one through yeah. five and then even including like South Alabama at the eight. Or if any of those teams get in, I think the Sun Belt has kind of a similar chance. Like if Marshall gets in or JMU gets in over Southern Miss, I, I think they have a similar chance to go win a game than than Southern Miss. I also think Marshall gives you gives the Sun Belt the best chance. And and in here's my hot take. During March Madness, I'd love for JMU to win this Sun Belt tournament. Love nothing more. But coming in second, it's the team that I think has the best chance to give them give the Sun Belt an opportunity to win a game because how, like how important is it to win an NCAA tournament game? Yeah, that's big, right? It, it gets you some money, but then also builds like a little brand recognition for that team and for the conference. It's, it's one where it's way different than years past where like when the CAA team went, I was like, well, I don't, you know, it's a Jamie fan. Like I don't even like being in the league where in the Sun Belt, it's like, yeah, whoever gets in, I'm absolutely rooting for them to go get a couple wins in the NCAA tournament. In the CAA, too, it was never the best-rated team in Ken Palm. Like, Towson, whenever they were good, never won it. Drexel never won. And you're just like, and the one year the number one team won it, COVID hit, like, four days later, and you're like, well, that was our best chance at winning a tournament game in the last 15, uh, except for the uh, Kevin, was it Kevin Keats UNCW squad? It's good like, teams, yeah. Every year with, with Devontae Kaycock would eventually, would, like, give Duke a run for all of their money and then end up falling short in the final seconds. But... It's going to be fun. And we can't escape Hercules tire. Does Hercules tires just, is their whole marketing plan just sponsoring mid major to low major conference tournaments? Cause so. <laughs> the CAA was the Hercules tire CAA men's basketball championship too. It's, it's something <laughs> I'll, I'll say that the other part that's, that's interesting about this is that it's set up not terribly from like a fan perspective, if you're a Jamie fan, like wanting to go, but also pretty good if you're just like streaming it where they play Saturday afternoon, it would be Sunday evening and then Monday, Monday evening, Monday night. So that's not bad in terms of like a, a setup. I think the issue is obviously with Pensacola, if they play in the championship Monday. I don't know how many people are taking off to like watch JMU play a championship game in Pensacola on a Monday, depending on where they are, the fans. So that like, some of the, sometimes I miss like when they were in Baltimore or DC or whatever in yeah. the CA, but I do think from like a viewership perspective, ESPN plus and then ESPN two for the title game is decent. Are we heading down to Pensacola? We'll be there. Yeah. Oh, we'll be yeah. there for all games. I mean, you're coming through Charlotte on Saturday, so you can just pick me up and we can just keep going. I think just go straight to Pensacola. I don't even know where Pensacola is in Florida. It's on the top part, but okay. all the way to the West. Oh, so that's a little far. From Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we also mentioned Terrence Edwards. Uh, they He picked up six man of the year award. He also picked up second team all Sunbelt. But no one else on JMU picked up uh, sun, an all Sunbelt nod. I thought Mezzi would have gotten one. Um, I thought probably not to call. Vado didn't play enough. Julian Wooden, he didn't come on strong enough until the end. I mean, maybe it makes sense that Edwards was the only good one, but yeah. I really thought Mezzi could have picked up a third team. Yeah, he's one that I think is is really valuable. It's it's interesting because, right, you mentioned Wooden came on late. Um, you know, Friedel didn't shoot as well as people were expecting him to. Morris missed some games with injury. To call was a little bit inefficient, especially during the early part of some belt play. It's <laughs> like you're the four seed. You play a lot of guys. You had some injuries. It kind of sets <laughs> up for them to, like, not seem like they're that good because they don't have one or two guys guys but they i don't know they feel like if they get into the tournament i think the ncaa tournament they could be a dangerous 13 or 14 seed just because they've got they've got enough guys there they're, they? they're, i think they do they're deep enough they got some shooters i don't i wouldn't predict them to win and i think if you're like if you're keith gill i don't think you're like <laughs> i don't know that you're rooting for jmu i don't think they have the best chance of any team that would get in it kind of feels like marshall with with kinsey and what taylor who can score the heck out of the ball like I, I'd kind of roll with those guys or Southern Miss or whatever. But I think if yeah. JMU gets in, I feel more confident about them than I did, you know, at any point since I've been a fan that they could On actually January 22nd. Yeah, I feel like they could maybe win a game. They gave UVA a good run. Yeah. Um, Fudge, what was I going to say? I hit a point. I got to hit you with some questions. 
wow, we have questions? Hit me. Well, they're not from other people. They're from me. But uh, going through the bracket, let's let's list some stuff off. Superlatives, right? Okay. So let's look at uh, – Oh, normally I'm the superlative guy. All right, bet. I'm ready for this. Let's say uh, seed outside the top four most likely to win. South Alabama. Uh, South, South Alabama. Alabama. They, yeah. they got Kevin Samuel according to – I'm going to use DRF Sportsbook because they are my employer. Um, and they're the easiest for me to pull up the odds real quick. I'm trying to pull up – this <laughs> This is only live in – or use bet online for all your sports betting <laughs> needs. Um, Sunbelt, currently Marshall – plus 225 to win. They're the favorites. Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, plus 300. Uh, James Madison, plus 375. And Southern Miss is actually the yeah. one seed, but with the fourth worst odds at plus 400. I think uh, a lot of that is that they could have to face South Alabama immediately. Yeah, and South Alabama is right there, the fifth favorite to win at plus 800. Yeah. Um, what those numbers mean, if you're not a degenerate gambler like Bennett and I, plus 225 means a $100 bet. Or in the case of me, a $10 bet would win $25. Well said. Yes. And if it's minus, that means that much money would be wagered to win 100 So if it's minus 110 you have to bet $110 to win $100. Um, but, so Marshall's the favorite of plus 225 But my answer, and it seems like what the odds makers answer is yeah. too, is South Alabama's the best, best option to, to win it outside of the top four. Um, after that, this might be a hot take. I think it's App State. That's your outside dark horse. I think the winner of that game, that 8-9 game, probably have the best chances to win the Sun Belt if it's not a top four team, which is also another reason why the top part of that bracket is so tough. Here's here's I would say South Alabama, don't sleep on ODU. I'm gonna sleep on ODU. Eight and two, eight and two in their last ten. Only losses are twice to JMU. They ended the year with home wins over Southern Miss and Marshall. Maybe that's they found pretty, something. Maybe, maybe they found something there. Maybe actually, that's actually that's pretty good. Pretty interesting finish for them, where it's like they only got beat by you know arguably the best athletic program, Virginia. Yeah, honest. I mean, by far, not even a close. Nothing far. comes close in the state of Virginia. So true. Okay, so we got that question. Okay. Who's the team if J well yes or no, JMU <laughs> wins the Sunbelt title? No. Who's the team that you have taken them down? Taking them down? Southern Miss. You think Southern Miss will be the team? I think the championship will be Southern Miss Marshall, and I think Marshall wins it. I think they have an experienced backcourt with the best player in the league, and that just means so much in a mid major. Here's how I see it going. I see a South Alabama <laughs> upset of App State. I see Troy Upset Blaine. of App State. Sorry, sorry. They beat App State, and then they upset Southern Miss, and that's a, the game before JMU plays Troy. I think JMU okay. fans are gonna get all hype about playing the eight seed, and then and I think Troy me. Troy beats JMU, <laughs> just like a a devastating, heart crushing <laughs> defeat. And then you look at like Troy make the title game or something and get wrecked by. Uh, I I kind of feel like Marshall's gonna win. Yes, and also I'm gonna throw a question back at you. What's more likely, they lose in the quarters or they lose in the championship? JMU? Yeah. Probably statistically the quarters. A part of me really believes in them, and then another part knows that – so they haven't won a conference game, a conference tournament game. Conference game. They haven't won a conference <laughs> a conference tournament game since 2019. Wait. So Byington in 2021. So, like, last year they, didn't, they weren't in it. And then the year before they lost in the opening round to Elon – after Elon had a 20-point comeback. In the last row year, they got knocked out in the first game. Wow. So was the last win the Matt Lewis, like, fadeaway corner three at the buzzer? <laughs> I think so. I think his fadeaway three. I remember it being from straight away, so we're going to have to find a video on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's I how long ago it was. <laughs> I just remember it being an ill-advised shot. And everyone got hype on Twitter, and I was like, the old man, get off my lawn. And I was like, that actually wasn't the right shot to take. We beat a horrible Towson team, and that was the last win. And then they, they lost to Hofstra in the next game. They were, like, somewhat competitive, but yeah, lost it. That's a long time without winning a conference tournament game. Yeah, a very long time. 
and like, there's not a even great not the chance that it just doesn't. It, there's a good chance they don't win it, win it, win a game here. What would you deem a successful Sun Belt tournament run for the men's team? God, we've had this conversation for the last four weeks. We're still asking it because now we have a bracket. A semifinals still. Like I think you got to win the quarters. And seeing that you have Southern Miss potentially waiting for you in the semis, and or South Alabama or App State. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily like a terrible thing if they lose a competitive game in the semis. But I think it's a terrible thing if you lose to Troy, Coastal, or Arkansas State in the quarters. I kind of love – I would love a rematch with uh, Southern Miss. I do not think they played their best. I think it's really hard to play at Southern Miss. I would, I'd be happy about that if they could get that matchup. So you yeah. just got to do it. Yeah. Just got to do it. All right. Well, I guess we got to do the the quick three-notched preview then after those questions. I don't know how we'll do this one, but, I mean, they'll face either Troy, Coastal, or Arkansas State. Is it essentially – is it as simple as JMU just has to play their game? Like, it felt like in the losses this season, they didn't shoot it well, and they didn't dictate tempo. In their wins, they shot it all right, and they essentially dictated tempo. They played their style of game. Is that all it comes down to? Jamie's 13-2 when it shoots better than 35% from three. They're 15-6 and six when they commit fewer than 15 turnovers. Then they're also maybe the biggest stat for them, certainly one that's up there. Jamie's 12-4 and four when it forces at least 15 turnovers. And then you look at those four losses. Two of them are in overtime. One of them is a one-point loss in regulation. If they force a bunch of turnovers and sort of do what their defense is designed to do and don't shoot horrendously – they pretty much find themselves in every game against Sunbelt competition. So I think it's Friedel and Morrison Molson who take a bunch of threes are going to have to hit them. And then you'd love to see Wooden and Edwards who are more efficient when they shoot, have some solid performances. But I, I think it's almost as simple as like you have a really good three point shooting week and then your defense actually forces the steals and turnovers that it's designed to. Cause if they get out of their game at all, they don't have like a go-to scorer or a go-to player like a Marshall to kind of like lead them for three games. Yeah. Who's the X factor? Who are we going to be sitting here if they do win the Sunbelt tournament? And we go, his performance against Southern Miss in the semifinals is the reason the Dukes won. I think it's Mezzi. Yeah. I don't think they can win the Sunbelt without Mezzi, especially with Southern Miss has some good big guys. South Alabama has some really good big guys. I feel like you need Mezzi to be at the top of this game. I was thinking wouldn't, but I like the Mezzi answer. I think Wooden just has to hit, like, two threes in every game. Like, go two of three, two of four. He seems to always hit, like, a clutch three at some point um, in this last stretch. So, those are my answers for it. Now it's the women's time. This bracket's crazy. (laughs) I love the extended pause before going into the bracket of of what it is. Um, JMU, number one seed. Right, but they're they technically tied for the, the one seed, season. but kind of a bummer finish where they had Marshall at home to lock in. Like, hey, we're alone at the top of the Sun Belt, and they didn't get it done in that game. So that was a little disappointing. Won't lie to you there, but um, yeah, they're the one seed. Guess who's waiting for them in the semis? A rematch Correct. of that Troy game. Fantastic game. And they'll play the winner of Marshall and Coastal, two teams they lost to. So what a fantastic it- draw. <laughs> That's what I was I was saying. I wrote quick previews for the website and it was like, there's no like easing into this. Like it's immediately like, oh, like both of the teams, the eight and nine, have beaten you, and the four seed is like whether or Troy or Old Dominion, right? Four or five. Both those teams are insanely good. Like would not be surprised to see them make the NCAA tournament and like maybe be competitive. Like they're really good basketball teams. So JMU is going to have its hands full when it starts things off uh, on Friday. Not quite the same setup in terms of the days. God, it's such a tough, like it's such an ugly draw. Like I'll you don't want to be in the other side. Actually, they yes, I do. Yeah, but then there's Georgia Southern at the six, which you lost to twice. I mean, it's a tough one. That's true, but like the two seed, I'd rather be Texas. Yeah, yeah, maybe the two. I mean, yeah. like Coastal. I, I didn't watch the Marshall game, and that was a game they probably, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of like the end of the season 
they're just it's it's a it's yeah. a it's a trap. But the coastal game was like ugly to watch, and like it actually worries me that they just match up very well against JMU. You know what also kind of sucks? <laughs> the schedule for the women's bracket. So they'll play Friday, then they get a day off, which I think is because they have the men playing Saturday, and they want to then create enough days. Yeah, and then you'll have enough court space on Sunday because there's not enough teams then that you can alternate women men's or whatever it is right throughout i guess it's two i think it's two women sunday and then two men's and then whatever but because you can only play four games in a day kind of an yeah pretty interesting setup that they have so you would if you win that first game you get a little time to prep and then rest as well which is beneficial (laughs) but their first game is 11 30 in the morning on a friday if they win, they play at 11.30 in the morning, and then the championship's at 1 o'clock. Like, I don't love that they just play night games, like, every weekday, and then a bunch of, like, late afternoon games. And then it's like, hey, your season's on the line? Well, okay, well, you have to play, like, immediately after breakfast. I don't love the, like, body <laughs> clock change with, like, so much at stake for a team that has, like, not a great history the last few years of, like, showing up big in conference tournaments. That worries yeah, me. Yeah, I did. Uh, that Marshall Coastal worries me. Coastal worries me a lot, like a lot, because they got another. They got. They got a. They got a big. They got a big man down low, who reminds you of Kozlova. And I think, in if I'm not mistaken, in the Coastal game, Kozlova got into foul trouble early, so they had to pull her. And then, Coastal's interior presence just ate, but then they'd like do pick and pops. And they would just kick it out, and they had like a knockdown shoot. They had two people go over twenty points in that game, and JMU's defense just was reeling. That was also during JMU's like something in the water yeah. stretch. So maybe they figured it out, but it, it just feels like Coastal matches up really well. I'm not as worried about Marshall because I think that was a, a letdown spot, a trap game, and JMU will be ready to play them again. But Coastal legitimately worries me. I go back and forth. I don't even know. Well, both of them, this is the weird part, is that four of their five conference losses for JMU, the opponent shot 45% or better from three. Like, not like they were just kind of shooting better. They were just making everything but, from three. But is that a defensive thing? Like, I, I know, like, you kind of regress to the mean, but if that's the trend, is that just a poor defensive showing from three? Like, are you just, do they have the scheme to get people open? Like, it's a that, good, that, that's not like a one or two off thing. That's four games. That to me is a trend. I but the other games, like no one else has done that except those teams. Like you look at no however, one else may have had a knockdown shooter like that. Like if you have a knockdown shooter, you can scheme them open. Some of it feels like they're they're running into some hot stretches. Like I don't I'll have to look at the the stats of what these teams shoot here real quick and see if it's an anomaly or if this is just like maybe they're shooters. Let me pull it up here to make sure that, that these aren't shooters. It just worries me that that could be a trend, like that that a team has a knockdown shooter or two, and they're able to just do some pick and rolls. They're able to get the guys open on the outside. Maybe it's a, a combination of being able to have a good interior presence to be able to pop it back out. Maybe that's it. It, it worries me that with four games, that's a trend. Yeah, Coastal, second in the Sun Belt, 33.6% yep. from three. <laughs> Uh, maybe you don't want that matchup, but JMU has been tremendous all year defending it at 29.2%. So if you can get yeah. Coastal from like 50% down to like 35%. To their season average. Yeah, I think you're looking at a, a decent chance. I feel like they have what it takes. They have the Kiki Jefferson, Sunbelt Player of the Year. And Peyton McDaniel, six man. Sorry, they called it the six woman of the year. They're loaded. Like they have so much talent. It would be frustrating if they can't at least get to the semis. So I have sort of the similar expectation for the women's championship. You got to at least get to the semis. Troy and old dominion are so good that if they lose in that one, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame them. If they lose on like a heartbreaker close one at the end. Okay. But if you lose by like seven or more and it's not like particularly close. I would grant that. Yeah. If it's like a blowout loss in the semis, it's, it's a little bit different, but I think you got to at least get to the one. Lighting the kindling to the fire if they do not lose. If they you got to at least get through one. Yeah, yeah, you do, and you you got to get through two. It'd be nice if they can make the championship. Give themselves. You got to be chance. nice if they win the championship, man. It'd be nice to get in. They do have the WNIT auto berth, which is cool. not nothing. And 
cool. There are some, there are some rumblings that Kiki Jefferson is considering using a COVID year to return, which would be like I thought she already used it. Now this is her fourth year. That would change my outlook pretty tremendously. If you return the entire team, like except Jermond, then you're going into next year with like at large hopes. I mean, this is a returning core. You're loaded. You're thinking like, okay, we should be able to qualify no matter what. So if they if they come up short but return Kiki Jefferson, I'm still on board. But it's also one like if you can get in to the NCAA tournament and get then return Kiki Jefferson, you're looking at like let's win an NCAA tournament game next year. You know? Let's be a Sweet 16 team. Right. Let's make something happen. So there's some pressure on this. I think there is some pressure on this program to make something happen in a conference tournament. So you want semis. I need a championship. Championship appearance or a win? Close loss is all I'm accepting. I think the crazy part is if they get through Troy or ODU, I kind of like their that championship matchup for them. Well, 100%. The bottom of the bracket is favorable to me. I definitely worry a little bit about Southern Miss getting in for both and having like fans that are like, you know what, let's go to both games Monday where they have like a playing like a road game. So that worries me a little bit, but. Cause it's Southern Miss is a lot closer than Harrisonburg, Virginia to Pensacola. Yes. yes. Hattiesburg, Mississippi is right there, but you know what? Here's my hot take and I want to get your opinion on this. So we all know what's happening with Brett Favre, right? <laughs> He gave those illegal funds to Southern Miss. They should be disbanded. They should not be allowed to play in any postseason for, for the next 15 years. Yeah, that, that impacts the whole – we all know if a volleyball team's great, that impacts the entire athletic department. And so he gave illegal funds to volleyball. Therefore, their men's basketball and women's basketball team should be uh, given the death sentence much like SMU was in the Pony Express back in the day. I think Very it's true. only right. I mean, the volleyball team plays on a hardwood court, very similar to that of women's and men's basketball. So I, I really think that because of Brett Favre and what he's done to the whole state of Mississippi, what he did to the Green Bay Packers organization, what he did to the New York Jets organization, everything should be looked at. And I think Southern Miss should be pulled from the Sunbelt Conference. <laughs> Just removed from the league. <laughs> temporarily until we can get a handle on things because they're very good at basketball. <laughs> That'd be crazy if, if uh, I would say Southern Miss probably has the best chance other than JMU of a, of a side that could, um, yeah. Could win both. Right. Yeah. I mean, what the other, the other seeds uh, for the men's, you the give one Troy seed a look, Southern I guess. Miss. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you. That'd be – it would be crazy, man. Imagine the parades in Harrisonburg if you have two NCAA tournament teams. Kids flying off the – better grease those lampposts, you know? All right. For Monday evening. <laughs> Nothing like a Monday evening tournament championship. Um, moving over to the Diamond. Softball picked up a massive five in a weekend after going, what, 13 against NC State to go five and oh. In the uh, Wolfpack Classic, or was it in regular innings? And it was just a high-scoring fourteen eleven. Eight innings, eight innings. What did I say? Fourteen. They scored fourteen runs, <laughs> so they had that going for them. They go five and zero oh against Penn, ETSU, and NC State. A couple double wins in there. Not great competition, to be completely fair. But also nice to see them taking advantage of some opportunities that they should. They looked pretty good. Uh, they were good the weekend before. So now they're eight and three after an zero and two start, and they play in the Carolina Classic this weekend against Purdue and North Carolina. They play both teams twice. Those teams, interestingly, are not that great. So I'd like to see Jamie if they can keep it going, get a couple. Their their non conference schedule is not that bad, so they should be able to to win a bunch of games and hopefully be competitive in in conference play. They have some uh, some young talent that's very exciting, including KK Mathis, a true freshman, one of the highest recruits, maybe the highest recruit uh, in program history against NC State in the second game. She was five for five with a home run, five runs scored, and four RBIs. Hannah Hennessy was also awesome in that game and had six RBIs. She's on a five, KK Mathis on a five game hitting streak. Uh, started the season a little bit slow, but. Since on this five-game hitting streak, she's been raking four RBIs against NC State, three against Penn, one against Penn. 
Uh, so an eight RBI weekend for Mathis. Really solid stuff. And uh, Hannah Shiflett is still being Hannah Shiflett as well. She's on a one, two, three, four, five game hitting streak as well. And has only had a zero in the hit column three times this year. Jasmine Hall, five game hit streak too. She's hitting it well. Got a couple home runs. She's a sophomore. You look at Kath or KK Mathis, Kathis, KK Mathis as a freshman. There's some things to like with uh, some of those young hitters. So yeah, after, we'll see what they can do the rest of the year and, and hopefully develop a little more. After you were calling for someone's job, could never be me. I would I'm still interested to see how they they fare against like the best of the best in the Sun Belt. But I'm very impressed with the way they've they've bounced back here. I'm also interested to see like their pitching staff is good, and I know we've been spoiled with three professional pitchers back to back to back. And they have a good pitching staff, but I'm interested to see how that position group evolves yeah. throughout this season and into following seasons because it feels like, especially as a mid-major program, even if your lineup is great, you're only as good as your pitching staff. And that goes for baseball yeah. too. Like You can be able to put – as you saw in the extra inning games against NC State, you can have a lineup that will hang 14 up on an ACC school, but you have to have a pitching staff that doesn't allow 14 – they only allowed 11, so they're doing their part, but made it interesting. Also just fascinating in general with like how in, in years past they had like crazy deep lineups. Yeah. When you've got KK Mathis, who's like one or two for 15 to start, and then she rolls into that weekend, I think the scouting report is probably like, sweet, like here's a hitter we can take advantage of. And it's like, oh my God, like that's why she's a high recruit. I think maybe when you get into Sunbelt play, it's going to be pretty clear like, do we pitch around Shiflet and and yeah. uh, KK Mathis and then take advantage of the rest of the lineup? How do the, the other players step up? A lot of really interesting questions that will be answered at some point. Yeah, and for Mathis, it's awesome to see. I mean, a high recruit coming in as a freshman. Like, I imagine the game is much different at the college level than it is at the high school level. Um, so it's good to see her kind of find that flow so early. That's a quick adjustment for sure. Yeah. Um, and then over on the men's at Eagle Field at Veterans Memorial Park, after dropping the first three games of the season against Florida State, uh, JMU has rattled off four straight wins, a 10-2 win against Mason, and then a sweep against Cornell over the weekend. Sneakily, this offense is, like, really good against Florida State. Yeah. They put up seven runs on the Friday game, only one in the Saturday game. I think that was probably the matchup of the best pitchers because it was 5-1. And then in the Sunday game, they hung up 10. And then they hung up 10 against Mason, 11 against Cornell, 9 and 7. Like, yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty good averages there. Um, good little offense going for the Diamond Dukes. Pitching staff isn't terrible either. They had, I don't know, some early positive signs. The last game of that Cornell series, Fenwick Trimble with a walk off grand slam. I kind of counted them out. I think they were down 5 0 and came back to win 7 to 5. Also, Fenwick Trimble awesome feels like that dude should be playing like lacrosse at UVA. Like, <laughs> that is a <laughs> 10 out of 10 name. He's also only not had a hit in a game once this season. Still got on base. He's gotten on base every game this year. A fantastic 423 average, 545 on base percentage. Already 15 RBIs this season. Sophomore. He's a sophomore. Ooh. Exciting. Because the schedule is so manageable. They play GW on Tuesday, probably when a lot of people are listening to this. Then they have UMass Lowell. I was looking at UMass Lowell. They've yet to win a game. I think they're 0-6 or something. They're bad. It's like, I don't know, the next four games, you could you could potentially get all four of them, at least three. So they should get off to a really good start here before they roll into Sunbelt play, even with a, a series sweep at Florida State. And that's going to be you know a really competitive ACC team. We've also harped on the pitching staffs in years past where JMU could never put two things together. And it's early in the season. It's been a weird schedule to start. Mason's not great. Cornell's not great. And Florida State's good. <laughs> like it's, it's a weird schedule to start. So take everything that we're saying with a grain of salt. But there is some signs of hope. Ryan Murphy, a 2-2-5 ERA, two starts this season over eight with eight innings pitched. And then Hunter Ensminger who's come on in relief and he's pitched seven innings this year, a two, five, seven ERA. And then one, two, three guys with two innings pitched or more with zero ERA. Make that four guys with a zero ERA. Who's pitched two innings or more. Another reliever has a two point. Like they've got some good guys. Bottom of the lineup. Not necessarily great, but it seems like they're 
they've got the dudes to put together a solid run this year. But it's going to yeah, be tough in Sunbelt play. Like, it's it going to be, be tough. It will be tough. That's kind of the same with with uh, softball. It's like if you've got some of these easy non-conference games, like take advantage of as yeah. many as you can. And then if, if you add up all those wins and then you start playing these challenging conference games and you're somewhat competitive, like your RPI is going to be okay because these other Sunbelt teams are, are so good. So it'll, it'll be really fascinating to see them play in softball and baseball leagues where conference games aren't like if you lose this, your resume is destroyed, which is what the CA kind of was, especially <laughs> yeah. for softball. It's like, oh, you lost one game out of 35 conference games? Like, you're not getting a seed. Whereas in softball, you've got, like, maybe you're playing a ranked team. So it's yeah. just way and, different. And, like, you're playing Southern Miss, who is a great team. Right. And, like, if you go down to Southern Miss, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and, like, win the Saturday game of that series, <laughs> right? that's actually, like, a good weekend. It's it's gonna be fun. I'm excited. I'm hopeful they can like be somewhat competitive in some belt play because that's again they've done this before, right? Where they've played a really weak non-conference and they start like you know lose the series to UMass Lowell or something like inexplicable that kind of sits them down a bad path. Yeah, but I I have baited hope. Wow, that's the first time in a while for baseball. That it could come quickly crashing down. <laughs> like I'm not joking. If they lose any of their next. One, two, three, five games. That is crashing down. You can lose to VCU, but I mean, you're playing George Washington and UMass Lowell and VMI. You you better win all of those in like a convincing fashion. VMI is okay. I don't care. They beat. They have a road win at Mississippi State. Cool. Was it a midweek? They're not terrible. No, it was yeah. a. Uh, they played a series against them. Okay. Well, good for them. They got one of the three. Cool. I stand by it. All right. I'm okay. If they, GW is not great. I think the UMass Lowell, that's one you're looking, you got to kind of give me a sweep there. You get, if you get some sweeps of them in Cornell, it's like, all right, you're taking care of business in games you should. Yeah. So, um, oh, there's that lower third for that. And then lacrosse takes down high point. Lacrosse is like good. I, I don't know good. what else to say. Like, Keep on chugging. They're three and one, 19 and eight win. They've scored in double digits in all. Well, actually, it's just in 50% of their games. First home game, though, coming up on March 1st. So to, well, today's not Tuesday. So on Wednesday against number five, Maryland. Home schedule is so good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully they can hang in there and maybe grab a, a win or at least be competitive. But yeah, they seem like they're doing what they always do, which is, you know, top 20 team. Yeah, and before we get up on out of here, I know we mentioned it before, but shout out Kiki Jefferson for winning Sun Belt Player of the Year. She balled out this year. Best player on the hardwood in men's and women's basketball. And just keeping that kind of tradition alive of Jamie being dominant with a basketball player. Precious Hall, Kirby Burkholder, Don Evans, Tamara Young. Kamaya Smalls right before Kiki got here. Like, just an insane – and I'm missing so many of them. Um, Nikki Newman. Trying to think of other names that are hanging up in the rafters. You could be looking at a um, potentially – potentially, if she comes back, a potentially historic career in terms of, um, you know, points scored and all that good stuff. Not to be that guy, but there would be an asterisk next to that. No, I wouldn't give her an asterisk. I feel like some of the, some of the, you know, we, we she ignore would, that stuff. She would kidding? have five full years. Hey. Some like Precious Hall had five years too, but she was injured for one of those entire ones. Did Kamaya get extra run though with COVID? No. COVID hit her back. last year. You're right, she didn't come back. She wasn't allowed to come back. I don't, I don't <laughs> care. No, still... Kiki will be like, will go down. If she comes back next year or not, she will go down as yeah. on the third Mount Rushmore that JMU has built of fantastic women's basketball players to come through the Convocation Center, now the Atlantic Union Bank Center. I want to find their scoring records, and it's not in a place that would be obvious. How you unbelievable know, is this? 
I was trying to uh, to stall you as long as I possibly could, but at this point, we might just have to do dead air as you look for the record book. It's uh, there's a lot of team highs and lows. <laughs> there's a lot of the J. It might not be in this. Oh, it's in a different category. This could be a different episode for us potentially. I don't know where they put it. What are you, are you in the game notes? I didn't see it in the game notes. No, you got to go to the record book. Which is where? I thought it would be under more. It's, is it in history? History? At the bottom. This is great. Yeah, there it is. Maybe, where? The prospectus. Oh, there we are. Here we are, folks. Everybody lock in for just a moment. This here. is fantastic podcasting. <laughs> Us going through. Page 28, out. individual records. <laughs> okay. Season. No, no, no. We'll get there. We will I'll get fill the there. Air. Madison, James Madison. We are the Dukes of JMU. Okay, go. Madison, James Madison. We've only ever had three 2,000 point scores. So if she comes back, she'll she'll get that. She'll probably end up. Can you, who are they? Uh, Don Evans, Precious Hall, and Tamara Young. Smalls was very close. So she's got a, you could realistically see her. She might be able to get just behind Don Evans. Wouldn't expect her to surpass that, but possibly could overtake Precious Hall. I mean, Precious scored a lot. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll talk, we'll talk next week. It'll be a while here. They'll play an entire Sunbelt tournament by the time, next time we talk. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. All right. For Bennett Conlon, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube